comparison of what you see three months later. If that gives you some kind of comparison there. Smell is a very strong, whatever, this is senseofsmell.org coming to life right here. The place in your brain where you process smells is the same place in your brain where you process emotions. And so there's a strong connection between those two things. I think it's interesting to me every time I read the Bible and I see something that somebody wrote who had no idea what they were writing, and then as we learn more about creation, we see what God, another slant on what God is saying. When Paul wrote that we are the aroma of Christ, he just wrote that because that's what God put in his heart to write. He didn't know any of this stuff about smell and how it's the strongest of the five senses in terms of what we remember and how it's tied to our emotions and all of those things, but it's pretty neat when you find out about that stuff. Let me give you a little background on this passage, and then we'll get to the point. And I'll make one quick application. Um, We said last week that Corinth was a city in the Roman Empire. So when those guys heard this verse read, this is what they they would have had in mind. After a Roman army won a battle, there would be this huge procession through the streets of the city. And the people would come out and they would light incense, hence the smell in here today. I hope that does not make any of you sick or you're allergic to it. We tried not to be overpowering, but give a hint of that. So it probably would have smelled something like this. There would have been priests sacrificing bulls, which we did not try to replicate that smell (laughs) at all, or sound. So that would have been going on, and the general would have come in on his chariot, just what you're picturing in your mind when I say chariot, that's it. So he would have come in on that, and he would have had the prisoners of war probably in front of him, and his army behind him. And so you would have had the captured soldiers in front and the victorious soldiers behind, and they would go through the streets. And so that's this triumphal procession that Paul is talking about. It's this victory parade. And as they entered the city, everyone who was in this procession, both the guys on the winning team and on the losing team, would have smelled this incense. And for the guys who were on the winning team, the victors, it would have signaled to them celebration, festival, party, feast, less ago, to the guys who were the POWs who had been captured, it would have signaled, this is it for me. I'm either going to be sold into slavery or they're going to kill me. And so that's how Paul can say this same smell, this incense, for some people it's life. The guys who are on the right side, it was, yeah, this a great smell for them, and it's death for other people. It's the same smell. It's just what it meant to these two different groups. For one group it meant you're done, and for another group it meant you've won. And so that's kind of the background. That's what would have been in the people's minds when they heard this little passage read. I'm going to go on a tangent, but it was premeditated, so I think that might make it a little better. I was thinking about this idea of sides and everybody walking through the streets together with God leading them and kind of drawing the parallels of God leading this procession. It made me think about sides and sometimes how I think and maybe you think about God being on my side of things. And um, I think that's easy to happen individually. I think it's easy to kind of slip into that way of thinking as a group. If you look on the internet, some of the nastiest things that are said are said from one Christian group about another Christian group. It can happen nationally. Like after 9-11, there was a lot of talk. Some politicians, some people in the media, God's on our side in this. Like the United States is the captain and God's on the United States team against whatever it is that we're against. And that way of thinking is... um, It's not just dangerous, it's wrong. God doesn't pick sides. There's a story in Joshua 5 
you may remember Joshua was the leader of the Israelites. Moses had died, and so they said, Joshua, you're the guy. He was one of just two people who was faithful to God during the 40 years in the wilderness. And so God had installed him as the leader of the Israelites. They crossed over this river, the Jordan River, and God said, all right, here's the promised land. Go take it. And so they could see the first city, and it was Jericho, and that's the one that they walked around, and the walls fell down. You remember that story, or you've seen that veggie tale. And <laughs> J- Joshua is the leader, and before he does this first, starts walking around the walls, an angel appears to him. And Joshua's first question is a natural question. Are you on our side? Or are you on their side? And this angel says, neither. But in the name of the Lord, I come. And that's the difference. God doesn't pick sides. We pick sides. We're either on his side or we're on somebody else's side. But God doesn't get on our side. And that sounds like maybe just a small technicality, like I'm splitting hairs. But it has to do with who's the captain of the team. If God's on my side, then I'm the captain of the team. If I'm on his side, then he's the captain of the team. And that makes a huge difference. That very easy to slip into that way of thinking, especially if you're right and the person who's wrong is a jerk. Then it is super easy to say God's on my side. Because they are wrong, totally. And you're right, mostly. And so it's easy to say, well, he's on my side and it's me and God against you. Or it's us and God against them. Or it's the United States and God against whoever. It's dangerous and it's wrong because God, whose side are you on? God says, I'm not on anybody's side. Either you're on my side or you're not. I'm the captain of the team. So that either works for you or it doesn't. It was a tangent. Back to 2 Corinthians 14. Paul's talking about us being the fragrance of Christ. So obviously the main point you've already picked up on the main point. The main point is that we are the aroma of Christ and we spread the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere we go. If you go and eat at La Paris, which I love, after church today and you order fajitas, everywhere you go for the rest of the day, everybody's going to know what you ate and where you went. You are the aroma of La Paria, the fragrance of fajitas. You're spreading the, the knowledge of fajitas everywhere you go by your fragrance. There's nothing you can do about it. I don't care how good you smell going in. That's what you're going to smell like when you leave. It is what it is. I love the place. You're going to smell like it when you leave. That's the parallel that Paul is making. Just That's it. We should smell like Jesus. And everywhere we go, the smell that we get off, give off should be one that makes people say, they've been with Jesus. Just like if you go to La Perea, the smell you give off is they ate Mexican for lunch. Now to some people, they smell La Perea and they make them hungry and they want to go. Some people smell La Perea and they say go take a shower. It, depending on how they feel about that, the same thing. There will be people who respond to that fragrance that you're giving off in a positive way and there will be people who respond in a negative way. That's not your deal. That's not... That's not about you. That's them. That's how they perceive the smell. That's how they respond to Jesus. And that's beyond you. That's bigger than you. That's between them and the Lord. You should, I should, give off the fragrance of Christ no matter where I live. Some people will think it smells great, and some people will think it smells rotten. We've talked a lot in this group about God's ultimate desire and goal for us being to conform us into the image of Jesus. We've said that 
since the beginning, Romans 8, 29, not believe that wholeheartedly, that his plan for your life is to make you look like Jesus. When he cracks open your chest and he looks inside of you, what he wants to see is your heart shaped like Jesus. And he will do whatever he's got to do to make that happen. And he will sacrifice temporary happiness, pleasure, comfort, success, whatever he's got to sacrifice now to ultimately you get there, he, he'll do that. He's not going to torture you. He's not evil. He just knows what the deal is. This is where he's trying to take you, and whatever he's got to do to get you there, that's what he's going to do. This idea of being the aroma of Christ, it's saying the same thing in a different way. In Romans, we, Paul says you need to look like Jesus, and in 2 Corinthians, he need, says you need to smell like him. It's the same thing. What God wants for all of us is to be like Jesus. That's his ultimate goal and desire for all of us. You know that. Sometimes we miss that, we forget, and we think he's on my side, and he wants me to be happy or successful or whatever. And he does want those things, but he wants those things secondarily. What he wants primarily is for us to look like Jesus. And so that's all Paul's saying here. You need to smell like him. And, and we all smell. Just like physically, everybody has a body. Learn this. Everyone's body odor is as individual as their fingerprint. Who knew? So there's 6.2 billion different ways that people can smell. There's 6.2 billion people in the world. Everyone has a body odor. We can put perfume on it. We can put deodorant on. But that stuff wears off and you still smell. Everybody smells. Spiritually, you smell too. You give off something. It might smell good or it might stink, but you give off something you can't not smell. To me, the good days are kind of like the days where you have enough deodorant on. When, the day, when your days are good, then you're probably, you're okay. You probably don't stink because it's a good day. And the days that are bad, that to me is like the days where your deodorant wears off. And that's when people can really tell what you smell like. There's that word fragrance that's used in 2 Corinthians 14 only occurs five times in the New Testament. One of them is in John 12, 3, where it's the end of Jesus' ministry. You may remember this story. And a woman comes, it's Mary, and she breaks open a jar of perfume and she pours it on Jesus' head. You may remember that. The disciples get all upset and say, you wasted this money. It could have been given to the poor. And Jesus says, you'll always have the poor with you. What she's done is... She's done the right thing, and it will be as many times as the gospel's told, this story will be told. You may remember that story. So anyway, she breaks this jar of perfume, which costs a lot. It costs a year's salary, so whatever your salary is, think about that. Taking that money and just dumping it on Jesus' head. That's what she did with this jar of perfume. And John 12, 3 says, the fragrance of that perfume filled the house. And so my question to you this morning is, when you're broken, what fragrance fills the house? Not on your good day. Because we can all wear deodorant on it. Our deodorant works on the good day. And we've all learned manners and we've learned how to be civil and most of us have learned how to be moral. So on good days, we're fine. But what about on bad days? On days when you're broken, when things aren't going well, when you're late and you get stuck in traffic, when someone cuts you off, when the kids are, didn't sleep last night, what, when your boss is being your boss, whatever it is that's going on that causes you to have a bad day, when you're broken, what smell fills the house? That's the question. Is it the aroma of Christ or is it something else? On your bad day when you're broken, what smell fills the house? I think you have three choices. You can smell like Jesus. That's obviously the ideal. That's what Paul says. He says we are the aroma of Christ. That's an identity statement. So if you're a Christian, that's available to you. You are the aroma of Christ. That's what he says about you if you're a Christian. Now sometimes we, that doesn't seem to be released in us, but 
that is who we are as Christians, and that's God's desire. And a, a couple of things about smell, again, if you think of the La Perea thing, the way you kind of contract, for lack of a better word, a smell is you've got to be close to the thing that smells, and you have to go back frequently. Smells fade over time. I don't smell like La Perea if I stand outside the door. I've got to go in, and even if I'm in the waiting area, it's not quite as bad. And even if I'm at the table and you order fajitas and you're three tables down, it's still not as quite as bad for me as it is for the people who actually are sitting at the booth when the fajitas come. The closer you are, the stronger the smell. Same thing is true of the Lord. You want to smell like Jesus? You've got to be close to him. And smells fade over time. You went to La Perea yesterday. Hopefully you've taken a shower between now and then. You don't smell anymore. Even if you hadn't taken a shower, it fades over time. It even comes out of your clothes eventually. It fades over time. You've got to go back frequently. Same thing with the Lord. If you want to smell like Jesus, you've got to figure out some way to get close to him often. I'm not going to tell you the legalistic thing and say you've got to have a quiet time. It's this many minutes at this time of the day. And this is what you need to do. You figure it out. you just got to figure out some way that works in your life to be with the Lord on a regular basis. If you want to smell like Jesus. If you don't care, then don't worry about it. Sunday morning won't be enough. It fades. For most of us, it fades by about 2 o'clock. The first time something happens that wasn't what we wanted to happen, it's gone. We've got to figure out some way to get with him on a regular and consistent basis. That's the only way you're going to smell like Jesus. Second choice, if you don't want to smell like Jesus, you can smell like smoke. There's a story in Daniel 3. You've heard this story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There were three Jews who were in Babylon, which is a pagan empire, and they had moved up. And so there were pretty high-ranking officials in the Babylonian empire, and the king's name was Nebuchadnezzar, and one day, apparently, he thought very highly of himself, so he built a 90-foot gold statue of him and said, I'm going to play this song, and every time you hear this song, everybody's got to bow down to this statue of me. And there were some guys who were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were peers. They were all in the same managerial position, and they didn't like them. And so they went to the king and said, there are these three guys, these three Jews, and they don't bow down to this statue. The king gets all up in arms. Apparently he's on this ego deal, and he calls them in and says, hey, I hear y'all aren't bowing down to the statue. Now I'm going to play the music, and you've got to bow down. And if you don't, you're going into the furnace. And no God can get you out of that. And they look at him, and to me it's one of the best verses in Scripture. I won't go off. That would be another tangent that is not premeditated, so there's no telling where it would end up. They say this. It doesn't matter what our God does. We, we're not going to bow down. We're not going to bow down. Our God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to worship the statue you made. That, that's faith. God can fix it, but even if he doesn't, I'm not doing what you asked me to do. I'm not compromising, period. I don't care what God, God can keep, get me out of this, but even if he doesn't, he's worth too much to me to bow down to that statue. So even if he doesn't fix it, I'm... Hold him steady. Throw me in the fire if you got to. That's faith right there. That's what God is looking for from all of us. Someone who says, God, I know you can make this better, but even if you don't, I'm sticking with you. You're the best thing that's ever happened to me. I'm sticking with you no matter what you do. You can do it, but even if you don't, I'm staying right here. That's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they don't, and they get thrown in the fire. Nebuchadnezzar's all fired up. He gets to fire a lot hotter than it normally is. Guys throw him in. The guys who throw him in burn up. They're all bound by, rope, by ropes. They get thrown in. Nebuchadnezzar looks. 
and he jumps out of his chair. What's going on? We threw three guys in there. There's four guys in there. They're walking around. What's happening? He calls them out of the fire. They walk out of the fire. And the Bible says in verse 27 that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads, heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire or smoke on them. A lot of us wind up, by default, smelling like smoke. We smell like whatever situation we're in. If our situation's good, then we smell good. If our situation's bad, then we smell bad. And that's the default for most of us. It's not because we're bad people. It's just because of where we live and the places that we live and the things that happen to us. If we're not spending time with the Lord so that his smell overrides the smell of smoke, then that's what we're going to smell like. We're going to smell like wherever it is that we've been. It's the Laparia thing. You're going to smell like there if that's where you've been. And that's how it is for all of, most of us. That's our default. We wind up smelling like whatever the situation is. On good days, that's fine. We smell great. But on bad days, we wind up smelling like anger or bitterness or selfishness or pride or frustration because that's what the situation produces. It's just, it's the smoke. And that's what it produces in us if we wind up smelling that way. So how do you know if you smell like smoke? I would say if your mood, your attitude, your outlook, however you want to describe that, kind of your posture towards life, if it's tied to your circumstances tightly, and so this is what you wind up doing, then you probably struggle with smelling like smoke. If that's it for you. If your circumstances tend to determine your mood, your outlook, your mindset, your perspective, how you feel, how you treat other people, if your circumstances determine that, then you probably smell like smoke. Which is not, not slamming anybody, just it is what it is. And if that's how you want to smell, that's okay. Most people don't really like the smell of smoke. But if you do, that's okay. You can smell like Jesus, you can smell like smoke, or you can smell like sweat. Galatians 3.3 3 says, Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? To become a Christian is an act, it's a miracle, it's an act of grace. Our, we're dead apart from God. And when you ask, when you repent of your sins and ask the Lord to have mercy on you, the Holy Spirit breathes new life into you. And he gives you a new heart. Nobody can perform CPR on themselves. It's a miracle. God does it to you. That's how we all begin. If you're a Christian, then you began in the Spirit because the Holy Spirit did that for you. He's the one that brought you to life. You didn't bring yourself to life. But a lot of us, over time, at some point, begin to try to do things in our own effort. For whatever reason, we kind of forget. We're like these guys Paul wrote to. We, we just, whatever happens... We wind up doing things in our own strength, in our own flesh, that we shouldn't be doing, and, we want, and it's hard work, and so we sweat. And we're sweating for a good cause, and our goal is noble, and we're trying to be more righteous, or we're trying to be more holy, we're trying to make things happen that we think the Lord wants to happen in our life. But it's hard work, and we sweat, and sweat stinks. Even if it's sweat for a good cause, it still stinks. The aroma of Christ doesn't smell like my sweat because my sweat stinks and it smells like me. And that's not what he's saying. I should smell like Jesus, not like my hard work. It's not a matter of me gritting my teeth and ratcheting up my will and saying, I'm going to make this happen. Whatever it is, I think the way this happens for a lot of us, it's, by, it's subtle. It's not intentional. We never kind of kick God to the side and say, I'm going to do this ourselves. If you remember 
way back in Genesis, there's a story of Abraham and Sarah. God comes to Abraham, promises a, you're going to have a, y'all two are going to have a kid, and through this kid, I'm going to bless all the nations. And he's waiting and waiting and waiting. It's, it's 25 years before the promise is fulfilled, and somewhere maybe like, I'm trying to remember, it's about halfway through, 15 years into it, it's not happening, and they're like, well, okay. Back then there was a custom where uh, a woman would have a, a maid servant and the husband could sleep with the maid servant and the child was considered theirs. Follow me on that concubine type deal. So that's what they did. And Sarah had a maid servant and her name was Hagar. And she said, well, Abraham, why don't you and Hagar? And then that'll be our baby. That'll be the child of, they made it happen. Their heart was good. They were trying to fulfill this promise that God had given them. And they'd waited a long stinking time. 15 years. You waited that long yet? That's a long time to wait. And what they did was according to the customs of their day. It wasn't immoral or illegal or any of that. But it was their own sweat. That was doing it in their own strength. Trying to figure something out. Let's see if we can make this happen. And that's what happens for a lot of us. There are things that we believe God has for us, whether they're promises in the Bible or things that specifically maybe you really... This is what God has for me. I know this is what God wants for me. He doesn't want me to be blank. He wants me to be blank. And you're tired of waiting, or I'm tired of waiting. So I start trying to figure out how I can make this thing happen. And I start sweating. And that means that should let me know I've, I've crossed the line, and I'm, I'm trying to finish in my flesh what was begun in the Spirit. I'm trying to... I'm trying to fulfill this promise. I'm trying to make this thing happen. Sometimes we do that with other people. There are other people and we want something for them so bad. And we've been praying for that and we're not seeing it either. They're not responsive or we're just, it's not happening. And so then I decide, well, let me get in there and make it happen. I've got connections. I've got this. I've got that. Let me, and it's our sweat again. We try to save people or rescue people. We have to love people definitely. But sometimes we cross the line and we kind of become God to people. We don't do it intentionally. We're just trying to help. Our heart's right. But we cross the line between the spirit and the flesh. And it starts smelling like sweat. And even though our heart's right and our goal is good, the way we're getting there is all wrong and it stinks. And at the end of the day, what people smell is not Jesus. It's me. And maybe that's what I want at the end of the day is for people to smell me. Because then they'll think I'm whatever. So you can smell like Jesus, you can smell like smoke, or you can smell like sweat. I think those are about the only three choices you have. And it's up to you, whatever you want to smell like. The, I told you there were five places where that word fragrance occurs. And almost every time the context, the word sacrifice is very close. The context is almost always worship. And it seems like there's something about worship that releases this aroma. And so what we're going to do, Bo and Les and Amy are going to come back up. We're going to spend a few minutes in worship. There's going to be some people in the back. If you have any needs at all, if this message stirred your heart, great. If it's something completely different, great. But if there's something going on that you would like the Lord to, you just want prayer for, there'll be people in the back to receive prayer. Otherwise, I would just say, worship the Lord. And as you do, it will be a fragrant offering to God. So I'm going to pray, and then Bo and Les are going to lead us in worship. God, I thank you that we are the fragrance of Christ. A lot of times, honestly, 
I would say most of us probably don't think we smell a whole lot like Jesus. But that's what you say about us, and so we want to believe.